Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based preaching resource designed to ask the provocative questions of how politics could appear in our preaching this week. My name is Geoffrey Farrer, and I'm a Methodist minister based in Putney in southwest London. Before I was ordained, I spent 10 years working as a clerk in the House of Commons, and I am committed to connecting how we pray and read our scriptures to how we vote and how we live. Each week, I'm joined by a guest from a different place and space on the, on the pulpit and political landscape. Today, I'm very pleased to introduce uh, the Reverend Ruth Whitehead. Ruth is a minister in the United Reformed Church, currently serving as moderator of the Southwestern Synod, but is shortly to be inducted as minister of the Landskir Pastorate in Pembrokeshire uh, on the 1st of April. And uh, given that uh, date of her induction, she says that she is happy to be thought of as a fool for Christ. So, Ruth, you're very welcome today. It's lovely to have you with us. Thank you for giving your time. Um, We know that uh, politics in the pulpit can be a bit of a contentious topic, but we also believe that it's essential that the world around us speaks into our churches. So when you hear people saying that politics should not form part of our preaching, what's your response? Mm. Well, I think it, it's about how we understand politics. Um, so, so I'm not the sort of person who scours the political pages of the paper and loves all that intrigue. With apologies to you, who you clearly love all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but politics is about the people. Um, is about how people are governed, how people live their lives. Um, And I think if we ignore that, then we're just left with talking religious twaddle from the pulpit, uh, which I think is not a good idea. So I try to avoid um, religious jargon. I try to, um, when I preach, offer something from God's word that kind of hits where people are. Um, And I'm always struck by, um, it was Anna Carter Florence, who I, a US preacher, who I heard say that you should let the word pass over your body before you try to preach it Um, and i think when you do that you find sometimes the word of god is a bit like lemon juice where it finds all the little cuts and all the little bits Mm -hmm. and really you know livens you up and makes you more aware of the world rather than being a kind of buffer against it so for me yeah politics in the pulpit not telling people what particular party politics to have but telling people to think pray act vote Mm. I like the word of God as lemon juice. Mm. I think there's something in there for Shrove Tuesday. There's something I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold, hold that one. But that's very good. And, and you're right, the, the distinction to make between what we might call um, the Westminster politics of the Westminster bubble or the Cardiff bubble or the Edinburgh bubble, uh, which is about, it can be about gossip and, and, and personal relationships, whereas politics is, is life. It, it affects every aspect of how we, how we live and work uh, and, and, uh, and, and everything in between. So I think, I think, yeah, that's an important distinction to make. Um, now, each week, uh, I, uh, my JPIT colleagues uh, provide a little roundup of their expertise, and they've um, produced some highlights for this week. And of course, there is, a, as always, a lot going on. And our hearts and our prayers and our minds are very much with the rescue and recovery efforts in Syria and Turkey. And it's been interesting to see now how attention is beginning to turn to the problems caused by politics in this situation failed politics largely in the region with corruption uh, and uh, lack of regulation uh, contributing to the deaths and the 
the seeming total lack of aid getting to Syria because of the regime there and with the politics of the region. Um, we've also got unidentified flying objects uh, across uh, North America. And we've got, as always, some issues with politicians and people perhaps not doing things they should do. Um, more uh, uh, in, in the church, in the life of the church, we have got uh, various uh, days coming up. We've got Church Action on Poverty Sunday, which is the 19th of February. Uh, we've got World Day of Social Justice, the day after on the 20th of February. And of course, very much in the minds of many preachers is Shrove Tuesday and Ash Wednesday being next week and the beginning of Lent. So with all that in mind, with our metaphorical newspapers open in one hand and our Bibles in the other, let's bring the two together if we can. And the lectionary readings as usual, because it's the, when I, I looked at them, I thought, yes, I remember now, it's the Sunday before Lent, so it's Transfiguration Sunday. And we'll talk a bit about that in a minute. So we've got readings from Exodus 24, 2 Peter 1, Matthew 17, and we've got choice of two Psalms, Psalm 2 or 99. So, Ruth, where would you like us to start today, do you think? I, I think we'll jump right in with, with the gospel reading, with Matthew's account of the transfiguration. Um, and, and, and really think, what is it about? And I think if I was going to give a subtitle to Transfiguration Sunday, it would be know who you're dealing with. So so I think the idea of having Transfiguration Sunday just before Lent, just like the way we've got Christ the King Sunday just before Advent, is a kind of a... Now, before we get into all that, know who you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So we're dealing with Jesus who is transfigured, changed, just shown as he really is, the whole glowing thing. It's all... It's, there's some very weird stuff going on. And the disciples are told by Jesus... Don't tell anyone about this till after I'm raised from the dead. So in Jesus' mind, I think there's something about, you've got to hold on to this. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but hold on mm. to it. And it kind of makes sense later. And it will help you to know who you're dealing with. It will help you to make a different sense of the suffering that's to come. And I hope that, that for all of us, with the politics in the pulpit lens, mm. it will stop us just saying, well, Lent is all about being sort of pious and humble and religious. Please do all those things if you want to, but not that it ends with you. It's not my Lent and my, and my reflection and my, and I'm just going to go into mm. a very humble little bubble and I'm going to ignore the world around me. But it's about saying, know who you're dealing with. This is the Jesus who is not just going around teaching, healing, even suffering, dying, but the Jesus who will be raised to show the glory of God is in this person and in this place. And mm. I think particularly as we're looking at church action on poverty Sunday, mm. the, the material there, which comes from uh, my bit from the Southwest, it's from Cornwall. There's, there's a few films from Cornwall this year, which I commend to people to look at. Which, which talk about the lives of people. Know who you're dealing with. Mm. What does poverty really mean for people when they're living in Newquay, which can be a lovely holiday destination, but is also a place of, of great poverty and suffering for some. Mm. Um, who are you dealing with? What are you going to do about that? In the light of these people are beloved children of God, what are you going to do differently? Uh, and, and what is the sort of justice demand on us 
when we look at the world. You talked yeah. about the earthquakes. Um, mm. I was really struck, I'm sure other people were, by the, the uh, woman who said, uh, earthquakes don't kill people, buildings do. And I think that that shows that we can say, oh, it's a natural disaster. It's very unfortunate. Mm. We'll pray very hard. We'll even send things. But actually, it's it's a failure of humanity. It's a failure of justice. It's a failure of politics. And I think the same goes for poverty. As we're looking at church action on poverty, uh, that we're, we're looking at um, people's identity and agency and choice. Um, and we're saying, you know, it's not that people just happen to be poor and that's very unfortunate. It's something that should make us aware of who we're dealing with and make us aware of the call to action in us. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, I mean, it, we could go down a nice little by road sort of and we we can do if you like but i know i, I know preachers will often and i have in the past struggled with that response to natural disasters and i know that the say for example the tsunami in um the boxing day tsunami really confronted us really caused us all to reflect and i remember the archbishop of canterbury writing uh, about well, was, you know, is this a vengeful God? You know, how can you possibly justify these things? Mm -hmm. um, and this terrible, with this terrible, terrible toll, this death toll that's mounting every day. Um, there is that theological question of why does God allow earthquakes? But then it's very, as you say, you compare uh, the, the the example that's often given is the death toll in Japan. For earthquakes of a similar magnitude with compared to the rest of the world and of course japan has it's a richer country better building standards and far 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 fewer casualties um and and i think it has really exposed that politics is not an option politics affects our lives whatever you can't just shut your blinky your eyes and say politics doesn't matter i'm going to live in my own little bubble and let that go on politics is comes down to building regulations. It comes down to uh, border crossings and things like that. And at the beginning of this season, I was speaking. We were speaking to Mike Long, uh, of course, and the minister, um, the Methodist, uh, his Methodist church is right below Grenfell Tower. And there is an example of where politics went wrong, where the politicians didn't do the job they were elected to do of supervising properly building standards and building regulations and again it was the poor who suffered so i don't know if we're going on a bit of a detour here but um well if, if you want me to take us back in into matthew's gospel i think yeah. there was a little twist point for me which um mm. i hadn't noticed before um you know that that many of us who've been preaching a long time can still be surprised by something in the reading that that really grabs us and, and it's the bit where you know, um, Jesus goes up the mountain with Peter, James and John, uh, is transfigured, you know, whatever that means, but in some way is changed massively. They see Jesus in a way they've never seen him before. And Peter starts blethering about building tents or shelters or whatever, you know, something, because there's, there's Moses and Elijah with Jesus, um, which I think is kind of a feels like a religious response if you like to say let's capture this let's let's um you know let's welcome and host moses and elijah and let's have jesus and moses and elijah. let's let's make a thing almost a shrine maybe that's mm -hmm. pushing, pushing the words a bit but but that maybe that's what's in peter's head um and then 
while he's still speaking. That was the bit that I thought, oh, hang on. So Peter's trying to make sense of it. Peter's trying to do something. And while he's still speaking, he's interrupted by the voice from heaven that says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And, and we've heard that bit before at the baptism. Mm -hmm. And then God says, listen to him. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something there about in our, in our busyness, there's something there about in worship, we can, we can stop not just to do our, if you mm -hmm. separate religion and politics, the religious bit, but, but mm -hmm. stop and listen, stop and look at the world, stop and ask, what is it that Jesus is saying into this situation? Um, and I, I hope in that way, transfiguration for all it's got a posh religious word can mm -hmm. be a moment for us all to stop and say, okay, never mind all the trappings, what is what is god saying god is saying this is my son my beloved and then god is saying listen to him um, and i think i was really struck by the thought that we also need to stop and listen to other people in the world we need to listen to our neighbors we need to listen to that voice saying earthquakes don't kill people buildings do um, listen mm -hmm. to what's really happening uh, across our world and and then say and and how is the God who created that present in it? And how can our politics make God's reign more fully present, make make God's economy, God's ecosystem flourish so that suffering is is relieved because there will be justice and peace. And, and I think I found it. I didn't expect to find it. I will confess when I saw what the readings were for this conversation today, I thought, crumbs how are we gonna how are we gonna get to politics from one of the most strange mm -hmm. biblical churchy stories but i hope in that you know while we're still speaking mm. god is ready to intervene and say hang on this is my son listen to him uh, and i felt that very much listening to some of those stories from church action on poverty from new key you know i stopped what i was doing I listened to the stories of people who have known um, food poverty and have very, very clear and marvellous things to say about how that should be constructed. Mm. Yes. And so that's on, is that on the CAP website? It is, it is, yes. yes. So, so if you go through people... to the link for, for uh, Church Action on Poverty uh, Sunday and, and there's, there's uh, downloadable videos there, which again, I would say to people, if you're preparing for worship, even if you just watch them yourself, just to get mm. your head in that, you know, um, remember who you're dealing with, remember yes. the world around. You know, it's not, mm. And it's holding those two together, which is what we're doing here today. Definitely. Let's and, and perhaps we'll sort of reflect and you know, we talk about the theme of transfiguration emerging. Perhaps we just reflect on the other readings mm. and then. So would you like to go to Exodus next? I did. I mean, here's here's um, Moses leaving the elders behind, um, going up the mountain to receive the tablets. I mean, the other thing that occurred to me um, in reading this and the Matthew together, clearly there's sort of a, an echo of you go up the hill to meet with God and God appears to the chosen special one. And of course it's Moses who appears with Jesus and with, mm. with Elijah as well, um, at the transfiguration. And I do have to say, I kind of thought it's a bit blokey, isn't it? 
Um, you know, it's all men. Another reason for me to say, why did I have to have this reading? <laughs> um, you know, all we'll just leave the women behind and we'll go and do the religious male thing. Um, now, you know, there's obviously a whole feminist critique of of the Bible, which again could take us into a whole other thing. Mm. But I want to ask the question: Who's not there, and mm. and why are they not there? Um, so, you know, Moses leaves the elders behind. It really is just about Moses and God at that point. But then, of course, he comes down and shares all of that with people, and and tries to to lead the whole people of God. But perhaps there's something about in that listening theme of transfiguration um moses is ready to listen to god but sort of leaves everybody else behind and we know they get into terrible trouble while he's gone um so maybe not listening leaving people behind is is not the best way to to find god's will for people <clears throat> excuse me and it's, it's and it's another man who leads them astray with a golden calf well <laughs> so um if I were being very content, so I think, again, we might like to come back to that and think about other moments of transfiguration mm. in the life of Jesus where the women were involved and actually were arguably perhaps more perceptive than the men. Mm. Uh, um, but uh, one, uh, with the idea of the Bible and the newspaper in my hand, and this is a slightly contentious point is, um, that struck me, was about the law and the commandments. So the Moses being the, the moment of transfiguration, the moment of revelation being very clearly linked to the revealing of the law, so central, of course, to um, the Old Testament. And uh, one news story that caught my ear this morning uh, was huge protests in Tel Aviv, in what we might, you know, the, the, the promised land, the holy land, whatever you um, might like to call it, um, with the the very, very right-wing government of Benjamin Netanyahu getting into real trouble because they are seeking to impose their rule on the judiciary. So they're seeking that the government can appoint judges. Um, and, and the BBC noted that Benjamin Netanyahu himself is under investigation for fraud. Um, and huge popular um, um, uh, protests in Tel Aviv and other uh, Israeli cities with people saying this is absolutely, you can't do this, you've got to separate out the functions of government and of course we've got the same issue in the USA with uh, the political appointments of the Supreme Court and we repeatedly have the same issue in the UK where MPs in Parliament get very upset about judges um, in, in, in saying we can't do that, it's against the law um, and I, I do remember one occasion in Parliament where uh, lawyers, I was in a committee and they told MPs, well, this is the law, this is the law you've passed. And one of the MPs said, find me a better lawyer. Um, <laughs> so, so I wanted, there's a moment there about the idea of the law. And, and again, the law as the protection, is there something about the, the, the sanctity of the law and the law being a moment of transfiguration, I wonder, and the moment mm -hmm. of revelation. And it's something that we as Christians really have sort of left behind the idea of law, old rubbish, Old Testament stuff, but the law being somehow a revealing of God and God's justice. Mm. I mm. don't know. Mm. No, I, I, I like that. And, I, I, and I'm reminded, as you say that, of um, people saying that, you know, given the recent um, scandals, really, with behaviour of some police officers, yeah. there are people who say they can't trust officers of the law yeah um, and and i think there's there's something about yeah the 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 law as that 
protecting framework which sets us all free <laughs> mm. possibly um, and certainly sets us on in a framework where where people can flourish uh, mm. but in the hands of people who are corrupt then it, it becomes um a trap for people and and people mistrust it um mm. so yes perhaps there's something about yeah the law as as something that is good and holy mm. but it's our representation of it and our living of it that that doesn't quite work out yes and it's and, and i think the law again is something we don't realize how important it is until you don't have it until mm. you are faced until people are faced with situations of lawlessness or situations as with the case of the corrupt police officer you you mm. uh, mentioned where this individual claimed to be above the law mm. um and and you begin to reflect why um, there's that, and of course it's slightly different in the Old Testament. That that those those constant praising of the law, the idea of the law being a gift. Um, let's. Would you like to just do Second Peter or the Psalm very briefly? Yeah, I mean Second Peter, in in one sense, recaps a bit of the Transfiguration. Mm -hmm. it, it uses that quote of "This is my son, my beloved, with whom I'm well pleased." Although I think Second Peter cuts off before they listen to him, mm. which I, <laughs> I think um, you know I want to to pull that out. I think for people that that the listening is is really important. Um, but then talks about um, the the lamp shining in a dark place, and that's rather a nice echo of transfiguration. Mm. Um, the idea that um, that a life lived well shines in the darkness that there's something about the, the the holiness of jesus that makes that shining you know really extraordinary and unique but that we are all capable of of showing something of that light in the darkness and again i, I want to not have people go well transfiguration is just a thing that happened to jesus and it doesn't have much relevance to us mm. so actually it's showing us a truth that is true for us that the the life lived under god the life lived according to the law the life lived for others is is that that shining light and we can be the shining light i think that's what um mm -hmm. second peter is is trying to to reach towards um that that we are that light in the darkness um because we are the body of christ so it, it, it all kind of kind of links mm. on but and but, it links back to last week's lectionary reading you know, not hiding up putting your lamp on a stand but, mm. but yes i must we, so i was confessing earlier that i must have i must have read second second peter at one point but i i couldn't quite recall this passage and that beautiful phrase that lovely sentence there a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts mm. how wonderful what lovely language um and then very briefly, did you wish to look at either of the Psalms? And we've got we've got we've got an abundance of Psalms this week, you know, two or ninety-nine. Yeah, I mean I I looked at Psalm two a bit. Um mm. uh, you know, why are the nations in uproar and God holds them in derision mm. and sets a king? And again, it was this very masculine force language, which I struggle with. Um, and, mm. and I struggle with that in my image of God as being, you know, just the biggest bully on the playground rather mm. than being uh, being a, this force for flourishing and good. 
Um, and, and yet there is something about um, putting people in their place, putting us as, as people and our, mm. and our politics and our machinations and our, our power plays um, that, that, that God desires something um, other than that and better than that. And the psalm doesn't bring out the sort of mm. the positive side of, so what is God going to do? But I think it does critique um, the way in which uh, people's lives and nations' lives are lived. And, and there's there's something there for you know, this. You, you mentioned the, um, the the UFOs, spy balloons, mm. relationship between China and the US. It's so easy to get into that power play of, you know, we will sh shoot down your, mm. you have sent this, you're doing that, and this this um, battle, which which doesn't doesn't help human flourishing, as far as I can see. I see how we get there, and I see that that there will be those who would want to say we we must protect ourselves. Mm. Um, but I really worry about a world in which, well, in which the person who's responsible for the Ouija people who are enslaved and working to make products for us to buy is now being invited to Britain. Um, hang on a minute, you know, that that can't be right. Like it can't be right that we simply ignore the fate of others. And, and maybe, it's a bit of a twist, but maybe you can read that a little bit out of Psalm 2, um, that you know, God is not, not a God of these um, petty rulers and petty irritations, but is something else. And, and that idea of, um, again, economy is a word that turns people off, and I tend to use the word kind of mm. ecosystem of God, mm -hmm. the idea of the, the whole created order being held together and that, that, that God's plan is for the flourishing of all. How do we how do we do that? How do we create that? But how do we avoid that tit for tat stuff, which um, doesn't glorify God or anybody else? Yes. So the sort of a the the obvious theme this week. Sometimes in the past few weeks we struggle to see theme occasionally, but the obvious theme here is transfiguration. And 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 as we said in the conversation earlier, and you mentioned transfiguration, an incredibly churchy word. Um, a, a, a very a deep theological mystery, um, uh, and, and you've sort of you've explained it already. But if if you were saying, you know, transfiguration, so what? Mm. Um, what might your answer be to that? Mm. I think I think I want to go with that. Know who you're dealing with, mm. and and. And you can start where you like, really. You can mm. start with Jesus, know who it is you're dealing with, or you can start with a person near to you, um, a neighbour who mm. you know, um, you know, if you've been reading a Bible, you should love and care for. But how well do you really know their needs and, mm. and know who you're dealing with? And when, once you, once you know, once you've stopped to listen and learn, then the transfiguration can be both in us of being transfigured, changed for good, if you like, mm. by, by that encounter. But also when you see someone as they are, they are changed for good because you see them as beloved children of God. And, and then hopefully 
you can reach a point of of wanting to say to people or at least to to live in your response um you are a beloved child of god you you are the son or daughter of god in whom god is well pleased and mm. and i will do you the respect of listening to you and i will i will when i've heard what you have to say i will do you the respect of trying to create a world in which there is justice for both of us uh, and not just justice for for me which is a very long explanation of transfiguration yeah. but but maybe change for good if, if you yes. want to go with a with a with, you know which and it's the change in jesus the change in us the change in others um the the change from the world in which we live to the world god wants it to be um that that's i think where where i would go yes and i think there's something about seeing and something you said earlier about seeing people as they are mm. you know and and um the difference between the surface and the reality and their transfiguration gives a little glimpse and i, I like i very much like that connection you make with to the christ the um, festival of christ the king mm. does the same thing before and i never thought of it like that but before we get into tiny baby jesus in the manger very easy con containable we have Christ the King coming in majesty. And here, before we have the weak and suffering servant, we have the transfigured Christ mm -hmm. who provides that lamp in the darkness. Um, and I think there's something, again, about that link with poverty, the um, action against Poverty Sunday, about seeing people as they are and about how we judge people by their wealth and their possessions. Um, but when we actually encounter people, and allow the transfiguration to happen, then we see that we have so much to learn from them. And, and we, we were having quite the, we had messy church yesterday, and as always, good discussions uh, with the parents as, as much as the children, and the children always come up with brilliant ideas. But we were, I don't know how we came into it, but we're talking about how you measure uh, um, happiness and, and things like that. And we were we were talking about how GDP is such a, awful measurement mm. because it's about how much stuff you've got and i think it was we were comparing that was it, it was we were comparing scandinavian systems of childcare and everything with, mm. with, with british ones and we're saying much about you know that perhaps a, we need to transfigure uh the way we think about the world and I, I know many people are thinking about this about saying it should be much more about quality of life mm. Uh, and, and people are, are doing this for themselves. Uh, you know, people are talking much more about working hours and working conditions and how much time they want to spend with their families and doing the things they enjoy, rather than how much stuff can I get? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think there's, there's, there's a lot in, in the thought of, of transfiguration of, of, you know, what, mm -hmm. maybe... Hmm. I've got to be, I think you always have to be careful of saying, you know, this was a gift of COVID because I realised that so much was awful. Mm. But perhaps one of the things we could take as a gift is that standing and looking and saying, is this what we really want? Is, mm. is this the life for which I was made by God? Or, you know, is, is, there, is there another way? Can I transfigure the life I live, the life of others? I was also as we were talking then about um, about suffering. Mm. Um, I think there's a danger as we go into Lent of saying, well, Jesus suffered and, and, and the suffering was good because he suffered mm. for the sake of the world. 
Mm. Uh, therefore, suffering's not that bad, really, because it can be a way to doing God's will. Mm. And I think that's long been used um, as something to keep those who suffer poverty, mm. injustice, uh, disqualification uh, down by saying, well, oh, but, but think of that lovely suffering that you're doing and how God loves you. And, uh, you know, and so suffering, and I think the transfiguration points to the suffering will be there and is real, but is not an end in itself. And, and the, the, the Jesus who dies on the cross doesn't stay there and, and keep suffering and, and glorifies suffering for suffering's sake and say, it doesn't matter how much you suffer because God can use that in some wonderful mm. way. Um, but instead, the transfiguration says that the end point is Jesus as he truly is, which is the resurrected and shining and glorious and all those other mysterious things, son of God. Mm -hmm. um, and that I, I want to say that's true of us in our human suffering, too, that the mm -hmm. human suffering is is not noble and laudable and wonderful though it can do noble and laudable and wonderful things, mm. but it's not God's will that people should suffer. And it's not, I mean, we mm. no longer sing, thank goodness, the verse of all things bright and beautiful, you know, the rich man in his castle, the poor man at his gate, God made them high and lowly, he ordered their estate, which mm. is very much a Victorian message of just lump it wherever you are and just get on with it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like to think transfiguration mm. turns that on its head and says, no, this is the Jesus who will suffer, but it's not just the Jesus who will suffer. It is the Jesus who is, who is the eternal Son of God, um, and and our suffering can bring good things. But God's will is for human flourishing, not human suffering. So yeah, this I think there's yeah. a lot a lot to take us through Lent in in mm. transfiguration, and a lot to keep us sharp to what's going on in the world. Yeah. The lemon juice again, you know, it's the, it's, um, the, the zestiness, uh, but mm. also, um, you know, all those cooks out there, if you've got the tiniest little cut and you get lemon juice on it, you absolutely know yeah. that. So maybe, you know, it's the, but that's the suffering that makes you notice what you mm. have previously managed to ignore. Yeah. And I think there might be, I think you could explore certainly the idea of those moments of transfiguration. And, and, and obviously the pandemic would be the most recent one where we see the world as 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 it is you know the and, and that's slightly linking to the apocalyptic idea of you're pulling back the curtain you see the world as it is mm -hmm. you realize how interdependent we are how much we rely upon human contact um and i think perhaps the, the various tragic murders especially in the us of black people those moments of transfiguration where you think oh actually this is how the world really is especially for others um, I'm just going to, you've challenged me, uh, I, I, I liked your challenge about it being male-dominated moment of transfiguration, something I hadn't picked up before, I'm ashamed to say, but um, I suddenly really, I, I had to just check, in my, I, was, I, th I thought this, but of course we don't have the transfiguration in John's Gospel, mm. but we do have the story of Lazarus, which I think we're coming into in a couple of weeks' time, and, and there of course it is... Um, uh, Martha, 
who has the moment of transfiguration, mm -hmm. who kneels at the feet and says, yes, I think you are the Lord and Messiah, and is the first person in the in the gospel to recognize that. I think I'm right in saying mm -hmm. um, I'll be corrected. But it's interesting that we have a moment of transfiguration, arguably, mm -hmm. where it is the woman who is paying attention and listening who experiences that. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's, there's that, that's a that was a that was a good challenge. God, thank you. I'm glad I'm glad you rose to it. <laughs> oh, fortunately. Well, and, and and you're making me go off onto mm. you know for homework. I, I think mm. I quite like to think of those moments when people see the world for what it mm. really is, see Jesus for who he really is, see our lives mm. for what they really are. And I'm, I'm thinking of quite a, quite a number of those already are starting to come up in my mind. Um, and I think, you know, perhaps if if that's what we're trying to do when we preach is give that moment of mm. of contact. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of the sort of Celtic idea of thin places, mm. you know, where 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 heaven and earth are very close. I think a, a really good sermon can do that for people and 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 make heaven and earth very close. And, and help people to to yes get a I don't know a peephole a, a little glimpse of of the way that that things are um, and then become committed to more of that you know if you get that little glimpse of how it could be if mm. this world was what God made it to be what can we do to make it uh, even more like God's place mm. Mm. yeah um, thank no, yes, and and I, it made me think about the sermons being a thin place. I was one of those famous little quotes. It says, you know, written on a board somewhere. Listen to the sermon this week and find out what hell is. Um, <laughs> so the reverse. Oh dear. Oh, Ruth, thank you so much for your giving us your time today and for sharing your wisdom and your reflections with us. They lots to go away and think about. And, um, you know, I think umpteen sermons there, I think. Uh, so thank you very much indeed. Um, and thank you, everybody else, for joining us today. And if you've enjoyed this episode of Politics in the Pulpit, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. We also have online spaces for further engagement and discussion about faith and politics on Twitter at pulpit underscore politics or using the hashtag politics in the pulpit. We also have a Facebook group, which you can access through the Joint Public Issue Team's Facebook page and the website jpit.uk. That's jpit.uk. Um, and um, a question perhaps we could leave you with this moment is where do we see moments of transfiguration in our life and in our ministry and in our preaching? And uh, we'll close today, as always, with a blessing. And I'll use the blessing that we use for Transfiguration Sunday. Christ Jesus, the splendour of the Father and the image of his being, draw you to himself, that you may live in his light and share his glory and the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, be among with you and remain with you always. Amen. Mm -hmm. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye and God bless. Mm -hmm.